Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Amen. You know what? We, uh, we really live in a world where people need the truth of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So I want you to take your Bible and let's go to Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter 10 this morning. And it's good to have Micah's family with us. And then also Rebecca's mom and brother made it over for today. And uh, we're thankful to have these guests here. And uh, I just want to tell you, um, I really mean um, just... Thinking about Mike and Rebecca, and I really mean that phrase that it's kind of a bittersweet thing, uh, but it's exciting to me to know that God is still working in people's hearts to say, take the gospel of Jesus to other people. This morning, we're going to look at just the need around us, and we're going to talk about the fact of somebody, the person who told you about Christ, and as we get into our study today, I just want to ask you if you've ever heard the phrase, the, the question maybe, what are you going to do about it? You ever heard someone ask that? I think about maybe even being a child uh, growing up, you know, I remember playing basketball and, and talking to maybe some of the bigger guys on the court. And I remember, you know, I'm, I'm a bigger guy now, but I wasn't then. Uh, I didn't hit my growth spurt till I was probably, I don't know, 15. Uh, Daniel was still taller than me, you know, like 13, and he'd beat me up, you know, and all my psychological problems. Are be- no, I'm just kidding. But you know what? I remember growing up and kids being bigger than me, and, and Dan, we'd play together with these other kids. And I remember sometimes on the basketball court, there'd be kids that kind of bully you around a little bit, bully you around. You say, hey, stop it. Stop, stop being mean. Stop doing that. And they'd look at you and they'd say, yeah, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, kind of that bully style. What are you going to do about it? Uh, maybe it's in the house. Maybe with your family. Maybe you were a teenager once. Any of you a teenager once? And uh, did you ever say that to one of your parents? You know, I remember with my mom, uh, I remember my mom and I, we had a great relationship until I was about 14. And from 14 to 18, something like a demon got inside of me. And I remember there would be times when my mom and I, we'd, we'd kind of get, get into an argument and I'd be disrespectful and man, it was, it was rough. I'd be disrespectful to her and I remember she'd say something and I remember saying to my mom, well, yeah, what are you gonna do about it? Now you've met my mom. That's the wrong thing to say to Judy Fountain because she'd say, boy, I brought you into this world and I sure will not doubt taking you out, you know, and she'd say stuff like that and I remember those times, what are you going to do about it? Well, you know what? As we come to Romans chapter number 10, I actually find the Lord through Paul challenging every believer with the question, what are you going to do about it? It's not in sarcasm. It's not a bully saying, yeah, what are you going to do about it? It's, It's a loving God saying, hey, here's a problem. Here's a problem. What are you going to do about it? There's two types of people in the world. My wife and I teach our children this. There's problem finders and problem solvers. There's problem finders and problem solvers. People who say, oh, well, look at this. This is a problem, and 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 I can't. I can't because, and I can't because, and well, this is happening, and I can't because of this. Problem finders. But then on the other hand, hand, there are problem solvers. 
People who say, yeah, I know that's an issue, but I got this. People say, yeah, I know that's a problem, but we can do this. I wanna ask you today, are you a problem finder or a problem solver? Because here's the truth this morning that we're gonna discover. We live in a world of lost people that need the love of Jesus Christ. And so what are you gonna do about it? What are you not gonna do about it? We're gonna make excuses or we're gonna step up and say, you know what? My Christianity is gonna be contagious. You're there in Romans chapter number 10. I want you to stand with me if you would. We're gonna read Romans 10, one through 15 this morning. And and I recognize the time. I will try to uh, get through the notes quickly today, but I really want us to catch the, uh, the point behind the passage. And so Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse number one, Paul writes this, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, they've not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses, verse number five, for Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I love the book of Romans. It's a very rich book. It has so much deep doctrine in it. And yet, we find places like Romans chapter number 10 where it's just very clear. The clear verse in Romans chapter number 10 is Romans 10, 13. It's a verse, probably if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, it's a verse that was shared with you when you received him. The verse is simple. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word shall, it means definitely will be. Here's the truth today. Anybody can come to know Christ as Savior. But here's the problem. They haven't heard about him yet. Haven't heard about him yet. And so I want to present to you that question, what are you going to do about it? Let's pray together and we'll get in the word today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take just a moment in the quietness of your own heart, Would you just give the Lord permission to speak to your heart today? Pray something simple of God, I give you permission to speak to me.
And then would you make a commitment? Lord, as you speak to me, I'm listening to you and I'll respond to you today. Dear Lord, we just wanna come before you and we pray that you would help us this morning. I pray, God, that you'd help us to have a clear message from your word. God, I pray for every single person that's here today. Lord, that you help each one of us to recognize that you have something for us as individuals. Lord, I thank you for our church. Thankful for those who are even here for the first time or second time. Lord, I know regardless of who we are that you have something for us today. And so, Father, I commit this time to you, surrender my heart to you, and humble myself before you, asking you that you'd speak in the hearts of your people If there's someone here that does not know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day they come to know you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated this morning. The book of Romans is an interesting book. We would go, and I won't give you all of the background, but of course it's written uh, to the believers that are at Rome. Uh, Some ruins there in Rome, and you can go and discover that actually in Rome at the time, Romans chapter 16 helps us understand that there were a number of little, uh, we would call them house churches, just smaller churches and different neighborhoods in Rome. And uh, Paul, he was, he was once called Saul of Tarsus. He was a great persecutor of the church. But then in Acts chapter number nine, he receives Jesus into his life. And God would use Paul to become a great powerful voice or a preacher for the church and for the cause of Christ. And Paul would go around, Acts 13, we're gonna look at it tonight, that Paul would be sent out of the church at Antioch and he would begin starting churches all over the known world at the time. And it was always in Paul's mind, I want to go to Rome. I want to get to Rome, Romans chapter 1. He says, hey, I have, a, I have a desire to come to you. I want to travel to Rome and be there that I can witness to the Gentiles that are there and then also that I can minister to the believers that are there. And Paul just had a great passion to help people who knew Jesus Christ. He wanted to help them grow in the Lord, know more about God. But then he also had this passion to help people who had never heard about Christ to be able to have opportunity to hear him to hear about Jesus. And so Paul, he's, his heart was to go to Rome, but he couldn't go. And so on one of his missionary journeys, he was in the town of Corinth. We read the book of Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians. That would be books that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. But on his third trip, Paul, he's there in Corinth and he wants, to, he wants to go to Rome, but he's not able to yet. Eventually he would end up there. But in his heart, he's like, I wanna just send a message I want to I write to the churches that are at Rome and just encourage them and help them know that we have Jesus and that he is the savior of the world and anybody can receive him. And Paul's like, I want to get that message to them. And so a few towns over, there was a town called Centria. Centria, there was a lady there. Her name was Phoebe. And Phoebe, Paul found out she was going to travel from Centria all the way to Rome. And so Paul got word to her, hey, I'm going to send a letter to you, a letter with you. It's a letter of commendation telling the church at Rome that you're a a believer here in the area. But then also it's going to be a book that it'll be a letter that'll just encourage the believers at Rome. So Paul writes this letter. It's a rather lengthy letter. The letter is known to us as the book of Romans. Phoebe, uh, Romans chapter 16 tells us that she carried this le- she would carry this letter for Paul all the way to these believers in Rome. 
Now, if someone were to say, well, pastor, every book of the Bible kind of has a theme. What's the theme of the book of Romans? The theme of the book of Romans is the truth of the gospel. It's the gospel in 16 chapters. It's the doctrine of salvation, what it means to come to know Christ as Savior. And I think if you were to go to Romans, you would find a number of different messages and helpful doctrines and truths. But when we come to Romans chapter 10, we find ourselves with that question, what are you gonna do about it? I want you to notice a few thoughts today before we answer the question. I want you to notice with me what I'm calling this morning the condition of man. The condition of man. As Paul opens up this part, and of course we need to know that uh, there were not, there were not uh, um, chapter and verse divisions. You know, Paul didn't go through and was like, all right, verse number two. Write this. Verse number three. You know, Paul didn't do that. That was put in, uh, you know, years later and really 1800s is when that got put in just so you can find your place. So this is all just one flowing letter. But as Paul begins to flow the letter and change gears in, from what you would read in chapter 9, we're not going to get into all of it right now, but he comes to chapter number 10, and he begins to describe the lostness of man. Well, how does he describe that? Well, he describes the lostness of man by sharing his burden for man. Notice verse number 1. Notice what Paul says, Romans 10.1. Paul says this. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer for Israel is that they might be, what's the word? Saved. saved. Man, my desire is that they would be saved. You know what? Paul's desire for Israel, it was the same desire that Paul had for the Gentile. He would say it a few verses later in Romans 10, 12, when he says there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord is, for the same Lord overall is rich unto all that call upon him. Here was Paul's desire. I want people to know Jesus. I want them to be saved. <clears throat> You'd say, well, why would they need to be saved? Well, because they were lost. That's what Paul's been writing about. You can go look at uh, Romans chapter one all the way to chapter number six, and you find Paul uh, describing this truth that the condition of man is that everybody is lost and in need of a savior. Paul's desire was that every single person would come to know Christ. They, the, the Jews, the Gentiles, everyone needed to be saved. But here was the problem with the Jews. Verse number two, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, listen, I want Israel to be saved, just like I want everyone to be saved, but here's the problem. They're trying to earn their own righteousness, make themselves right before God. They're not submitted to God's righteousness, which we'll see as Jesus. Instead, they're trying to earn their way to heaven. That's really what religion does, doesn't it? Religion says you can be good enough. If you were to go and discover any religion around the world. You can go to the Philippines or you can go to Russia or you can go to China or you can go to uh, North Korea. You can go anywhere in the world and you know what you find? You find religions that are trying to earn their way to their God. That's exactly what the Jews were doing. They were dependent upon their own righteousness. And here's what Paul is getting at with this. Paul is saying, but they don't understand that their own righteousness is nothing. It means nothing. 
You see, their zeal was not based on knowledge. It wasn't based on the truth of God. It was based upon just the truth of man, man's thinking. They thought that their good works and their religious deeds could save them when actually those practices were keeping them from the Lord. Certainly, many of those religious Jews, they were devout and they were sincere. But can I just tell you this this morning that sincerity and devotion will never save anybody from hell. No, they were lost. Their condition was lost. And Paul's desire was that every single person would come to know Jesus Christ as Savior because every single person is lost. And every single person cannot be made right by their own works. Romans 3.20, Paul said this, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for the law is the knowledge of sin. He said, hey, the works of the law, your own righteousness cannot forgive your sin. So Paul's getting at. Well, what was the commonality between Israel and between the Greek and between us as Gentiles? Well, we're lost and without God. And that's really the, the truth that Paul is establishing once again. Hey, I, my prayer is that they'd be saved. They have a zeal without knowledge, but they're trying to earn it. They're trying to earn that forgiveness, trying to earn that relationship with God. They don't recognize that they are lost and without God and cannot get to God on their own. Paul had summarized this in Romans 3.23 when he said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Did you know that the same is true today? Israel was lost then and Israel is lost now. Just like every single human being. Every single person is born without God in need of a relationship with God. Every single person is born and destined to hell. But that's the exact reason as to why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what we are. We're, we're, lo- we're born into this world lost and without God. We can see the sinful condition of man in every single avenue that we look at in life. I mean, look, you can see the depravity of man in so many areas. Think about the entertainment of our day. We can see a sinful depravity of man. We can think about it in politics. You can see it on uh, your social media feeds. You can see it in sports and see it with friendships and see it with coworkers. The fact, listen, that this world needs Jesus. This world needs Christ. Why? Because every person is lost. There's an old preacher, years ago, he was passing out gospel tracts, inviting folks to come to know the Lord, and he gave a tract to a lady. She was very well-dressed and, and just kind of walking with her head held high and her you know, nose up, neck out. I'm just, she's kind of arrogant. You could catch it. And As he handed her this little tract with the gospel on it, she grabbed it, looked at both sides, and said, Sir, you apparently do not know who I am. And that preacher looked at her. He said, Ma'am, There's coming a day of judgment, and on that day, it'll make no difference who you are. You see, the truth is this, that regardless of who you are, every single person is lost and without God. We're born that way. That's the condition of man. The Bible says in Romans 5, 12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, every single person. That's the condition of man, but I want you to see the cure of God. 
Paul begins to write about it, verse 12 down through verse number 13. We don't have time to get into the deep study of all of this, but suffice to say that the, the Jews, they were leaning on their own righteousness. But I want you to look at verse number four because it really describes the next eight verses or so. Paul says this. He says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Here's what was taking place. The Jews were saying, well, if we could only be good enough, if we could keep the law, if we could be righteous enough, God had already told them in the Old Testament, you can't be good enough. You can't earn your way. You just need my mercy and you need to turn and repent and come back to me. But they thought, no, we can earn our way. We can earn our way. We can be righteous enough. And here's what Paul is saying. Hey, Jesus Christ, he is the end of that thinking to everyone that believes. Because when you believe on Jesus, you realize my salvation, my righteousness, my forgiveness, it is only found in Jesus, not in who I am. Everything about, listen, everything about God's love in your life is based upon who he is, not you are, not who you are. You, you could do nothing more or nothing less to earn God's love more or to, uh, to let God uh, maybe love you less. That, that, that is, is impossible. Why? Because everything about forgiveness, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, all of it, it's because of who Jesus is. That's what, Paul is, that's what Paul's getting at, verse four down through verse number 12. He's talking just about this fact. Hey, listen, uh, you, you can't go and crucify Christ again or raise him from the dead again. You can't go and, and add a bunch of things and do some things to earn God's recognition. No, there's no difference, verse 12, between the Jew and the Greek. Hey, the Jew says, I have my religion. The Greek said the same thing. The Jew says, well, uh, we're closer to God. The Greek said, well, we believe in Gnosticism, that we're closer to God, or pantheism, that God is in everything, or, and they had all this religious stuff. He's saying, there's no difference between them. But God is rich to forgive them. Anybody can be saved. Anybody can receive forgiveness. Anybody can receive mercy. If you were to go, and again, I, I really wish I could, and I have the background here, but we just don't have the time to do it, but the, the sinner... The one who is lost could never perform enough to earn righteousness with God. And in verse 4 through 12, Paul gets that across, and he really helps him understand when he says, "Thy word, the word is near thee. Look in verse number, um, verse number 8. The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, listen, you have the word. This is to Israel now. You have the word. You had the law. Do you know what the law points you to? The law points you to Jesus. I say it often at our church. Every single page of the word of God points to Jesus Christ. The book of Genesis points to Jesus. The book of Exodus points to Jesus. The book of Leviticus points to Jesus. The book, you can go through all of them. Joshua points to Jesus. Ruth points to Christ. Ezekiel points to Jesus. Isaiah points to him. Micah points to him. I was going to say Hezekiah and see if anybody would catch it, but there is no Hezekiah. Nahum, it points to him. All of it points to him. And that's what Paul is getting at verse number eight. Hey, the word is nigh thee. Hey, it's even in your mouth. You've, you've just missed it. You see, the condition of man is everyone's loss. The cure is Jesus Christ. He is the cure. And that's what Paul gets at, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
Man, the cure is Jesus Christ, and this is the entire reason as to why Jesus came. He came to bring forgiveness and to restore our relationship with God. When we're born, we're born separated from God in need of that forgiveness, and that's why Jesus came. Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says this, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I love those verses. He says, for a righteous man, someone would die. You know, if there was someone and they were good enough, if they were a really, really good guy, people would say, well, I'll die for him. He'd say, well, if there was, if there was somebody and they were just, well, you know, he's an okay guy. He's an all right. He said, eh, probably dwindling down. There's, you, might find, you might find somebody that would die for him, but probably not. But when you go to the scum, when you go to the wretched, when you go to the wicked, when you go to people that are in the midst of committing sin, you're going to find anybody that'll die for them? No. But God commendeth, demonstrated, showed his love to us in that while we were in sin, while we were yet sinners, while we were committing sin, Christ died for us. Man, what a great verse. That's the cure. Hey, we're all sinners. Hey, we're all the scum. Hey, we're, pastor, how dare you call me scum? Man, I'm calling myself scum. Waiting, my mom would have said amen right then if she ain't over there. Listen, we all look in the mirror and get frustrated with ourselves. Man, you've been at the place where you go, I can't believe I said that to them. Man, I can't believe I thought that. Man, I can't believe it. Uh, how, how, what am I thinking? And you, you look in the mirror and get disgusted by yourself. Listen, if we're all to be honest, there are times when we can't even stand ourselves. That's what the verse is saying. Hey, yet while you were a sinner... Man, at that time when you look and think, I'm a disgrace, I've got nothing to offer, I am the scum of the earth, God said, I still love you and I died for you. Man, that's exciting. Why? Because and yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's the cure. He's the cure for the entire world. You can go and research anywhere and uh, find any person, and I'll tell you that every single person, the same cure for us is the same cure for them. It's Jesus Christ. The same cure for us is the same cure for them. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The condition of man, we are lost in need of a Savior. The cure, there is a Savior there is forgiveness, there is restoration, there is relationship, and it's all found in Jesus Christ. But that's where we come to the complication. The complication this morning. Notice verse number 14. Right, the cure is Jesus. People need to believe on him. And here's what we read. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Here's the complication this morning. I'll just cut right to it. Jesus is the answer. People need to call on him and believe on him and put their faith in him. But how can they do it if they've never heard about him? But how can they hear about him if no one's going to tell them? But how can someone go and tell them if no one's sending them? 
That's what Paul's getting at. Hey, here's the complication. The world is lost in the need of Jesus, but the Christians are complacent. The believers are comfortable. We live cush Christianity because we're on, we're on our way to heaven. After all, I have Jesus. I have forgiveness. I have a relationship with God. And the lost world, it's out of sight, out of mind. The lost coworker, well, someone else will tell them. The lost relative, well, they just don't listen to me. You see, what we have today is we've got a lot of Christians that are problem finder Christians. Well, I, I couldn't talk to them. Well, I, I could never give to help Ridgepoint. I, just, I don't make that much. Well, I could never speak to that. I could never give out a track. This is the complication. There's a world that needs Jesus, and there's churches filled with Christians just like us that are failing to do our part. You say, Pastor, that's, are you being mean? No, no, we're just being real. Sometimes we need to look ourselves in the mirror and, and realize there's a lost world that needs Jesus and the complication is they're just not getting him. Why? Because of me, because I'm not doing my part. You think about this, I read this statistic yesterday. Four countries, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam, 92,143,000 people in those four countries. Statistically, it shows that 89,300,000 of them are unreached. That's 97% of that area, unreached with Jesus. Now, can I tell you this? By unreached, it means they've never even heard about Jesus Christ. 97%, 89 million people who have never heard about Jesus. You can't really find too many agreeable statistics about the US, but I found a few that added up for us to understand this, that in our country, we live with 300, roughly 327 million in our population. Out of those 327, it said that statistically, 70% of them claim nothing to do with Bible Christianity. They may, be, they may be involved in some religion, but it's nowhere near Bible Christianity. You know what that tells me? That tells me that 70% of our own country are dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, you have the solution. If you know Christ as your savior, you're the answer. You're the cure. Well, we understand that you're not the cure, but you have the cure. You have Christ. But here's the problem. People need to hear about Christ, but we, uh, we just fail to take him out. Oh, we're, we're good to come in, right? We come in here to church and we sing, lift him high, all praise. And we, Amen, this is good singing. And we hear Brother Dan get up and as he says, shuck the corn. In the, shake the bush, shuck the corn, ride the wave, uh, cook the taco, whatever it is. Man, he gets up at the 10 o'clock hour and he preaches and teaches this morning, better to give than to receive. Good lesson this morning, huh? Probably a big help this morning. And we'll come in, we'll say, man, that was good. We'll go to pastor's message, we'll say, hey, that's okay. 
You know, Micah's presentation, man, great video, went at you. That's so exciting. I'm going to visit you. I'm going to pray for you. We come and we have great church. And then we leave. And when we leave, it's almost like we leave Jesus in the church. Oh, we don't go out and act like the world and run amok and, you know, get back into sin and all that stuff. We just don't tell people about him. You know what that is? That's the complication. That's the problem. And how many times, listen, I'm guilty of it. How many times have we been out and about? Listen, you know Christ, been out and about, and the Lord says, hey, talk to them about the gospel, and we say, I'll do it later. Maybe a coworker, they say, they come to you, and they say, you know, I've just been struggling with some things. A coworker comes to you, and they say, man, I can't believe my teenager and God, God's literally giving us an open opportunity to say, I know someone who could help with that. His name is Jesus Christ. And we say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What do you think of the Seahawks? And we change the subject because we get nervous. Well, that's just not my personality. Listen, it's, it's really nobody's personality. I'm an extrovert. It's, really, it's not even my personality. I don't just walk up to people and they're like, hey, you going to heaven or hell? It's, it's really not anyone's personality, but it's our opportunity. And it's our opportunity. The cure, it's Jesus Christ. But then I want you to notice lastly with me before we are done and have our last challenge is this. We, feel, we find the celebration. Last part of verse number 15, notice what Paul says. He says this, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring Glad tidings of good things. Paul's actually quoting Isaiah 52 7 and Nahum 1.15. In those verses, it was seen that the feet of the messenger, really it's de- depicting that the messenger is seen as a great man, how beautiful, how wonderful it is to receive good news. How wonderful it is, and in Isaiah and in uh, Nahum, they had just defeated the enemy, and so the, the messenger is coming to say, Israel, God gave us a victory, and everybody's looking, saying, man, yeah, it's great. Praise the Lord, praise God, the messenger, oh, man. And they're not necessarily saying, oh, what a great messenger. They're just saying, man, thank you for telling us. Thanks for giving us the message. Man, thanks for giving us the good news. You ever been around somebody that just can't control their emotions? You have been around that? Micah, come here. I'm gonna, you're going to come up here since we're talking about you this morning. Man, I've been around people, control their emotions. I, I'm thinking right now about maybe you're at the doctor's office. Okay, you're at the doctor's office. You've been there, and maybe some of you have, have had this, that they're doing, they're doing the cancer checks. They're testing for cancer. You don't know this doctor. From, I mean, you don't know him from Adam. You've maybe met him once or twice before, and you're sitting there, and the doctor says to you, I just want to tell you the results came back negative. You don't have cancer. And remember, you've never met him. You've never met him. You're the doctor. I'm the patient. You don't have cancer. What? Say, say it again. You don't have cancer. I don't have it. Oh! <laughs> you say, pastor, that would never. Liar! Man, we know when someone brings a good message, man, you give them a hug. Man, that boss comes into your office, says, hey. I mean, it's the boss that you know you kind of get along with, but it's kind of like, uh, he's my boss. 
He comes in, he's like, hey, we're giving you a $5 raise per hour. You're not gonna be like, cool, thanks. You're gonna be like, what? Oh man, let's go, let's go get a coffee. I'm taking you with me. I know we don't like each other, but man, you're the messenger. You got me the good message. Those of you that are grandparents, think about when you first heard that they're gonna have a baby. Grandparents, that's what happens. Man, you're hugging, you're, you're, you're the messenger. Good job, you did a great job. Great doctor, great mother, whatever. This is what Paul's getting at. Man, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying, hey, listen, when someone comes to know Christ as Savior, we look at the messenger and we say, thank you for the message. Well, why? Because the message is wonderful. Because the message brings joy. Because the message brings the peace of God. It can give me peace with God. The message is good tidings. That's why in Luke chapter number two, the angel said, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. Why? Because Jesus is coming. And when Jesus comes and when he is born into your life, listen, there's a celebration. That's good things that take place. Redemption is a good thing. Salvation is a good thing. I mean, you think about this. Think about all of the wonderful things in your life because of Jesus Christ. Man, think about the fact that you have peace in your life. Man, there's change taking place in your life. You have someone who has lifted your burdens and you have forgiveness for every sin. You have eternity in heaven. You have a God that walks with you every day. You have a burden carrier. You have someone that comes and says, I can direct every single decision that you make. That is all encompassed in salvation. One great theologian, I read what they wrote this last week and they said this, redemption, it's a beautiful thing. It means something once a complete waste gets a second chance. It means a new beginning, and it means there is no limits. Great theologian, Hannah Fountain. I stole that off my wife's art stuff this last week. Man, talking about the redemption that we have in Christ, it's a new thing. It's a new beginning. No limits. Now I want to ask you this, and we're done. The truth is, salvation brings joy, doesn't it? I want you to think right now about the person who gave you Jesus. Think about him. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a pastor. Pastor. <laughs> Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was a relative. Listen, there's joy in your life. If you know Christ as Savior, there's joy in your life because somebody told you about Jesus Christ. And here's the fact of the matter this morning. You need to be that somebody in someone else's life. People need you and I to step up and tell them about the gospel. I would ask you, who are you reaching about Jesus, with Jesus? Who have you told lately? Who are you looking for an opportunity to speak to about Christ? Because this world needs Christ. The cure is Jesus. Everyone's a sinner. 
in need of him, and he is the cure. And if you're saved, you have him. Here's the complication. We just do nothing sometimes. So number one this morning, who are you gonna tell about Christ? Who this week will you present the gospel to? But number two, the passage is a great passage for missions. Almost eight billion people in the world. Almost eight billion people in the world. And I believe it's less than like 5% of the world's population would claim Bible Christianity. You know what that means? There's a lot of people lost and on their way to hell. It might be your neighbor, might be a coworker, might be someone in Wenatchee, might be someone in Papua New Guinea, might be someone in Sri Lanka, might be someone in Vietnam, could be someone in Thailand, maybe it's someone in India, perhaps someone in South Korea. We go around the world, all 197 nations. You know, we're gonna find billions of lost people in need of Jesus. And so I wanna ask you this morning that question, what are you gonna do about it? You say, well, pastor, I can't pack up and go to the mission field, I know. Pastor, I can't pack up and go to Wenatchee, I know. But by our missions giving, we're saying, I'm gonna give so someone else could go. I'm gonna give so someone else could go. Pastor, I can't give much, that's okay. You know what we need to say is, God, what, I, what you'll give me, I'll give that. And I just wanna ask you to pray and ask God, God, what would you do through me for missions? What can I give? Because the truth is, there's people going to hell, what are we gonna do about it? And so this morning, we come and we're presented with that question. The question that Paul gave to these believers, what are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? I ask you the same one this morning. But today, before I close, maybe you're here and maybe you're the person that is still lost. And in your life, you don't know if you died that you go to heaven. You don't know that your sins have been forgiven. I wanna tell you this morning that you are the reason that Jesus came. He died for you and for me. And he desires for you to have a relationship with him, but it only happens if you'll receive him into your life. And if you're here this morning, you've never received Christ, I wanna encourage you in just a moment, we're gonna have what's called an invitation. We'll invite you to come and someone, they'll take the Bible, they'll show you how you can be 100% sure you're going to heaven. Not based upon what I've said, but based upon what Jesus said through his word. If you've never received Christ as your savior, today that's the best decision you could make. If you have received him as your savior, what are you gonna do about the lost? What are you gonna do about this problem? Number one, will you begin telling people? Number two, will you give so others can go? I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. If God's spoken to our heart this morning, this invitation time is a chance to respond to him. And as she comes, I'm gonna ask two questions. The first one is this. Are you sure Jesus is in your life? Do you know Christ as your savior? If you're here and you be honest, Pastor Dennis, I know Jesus as my savior. I've received him into my life. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, I know Christ is my savior. Just right up and right back down. If that's you today, you know Jesus as your savior. I wanna ask you with missions, what are you gonna do about it? Who are you gonna pray and start talking to this week? What are you gonna maybe pray and would you be willing just to pray and say, God, what would you have me give? 
Would you have me give for Ridgepoint Baptist Church? What would you have me give for the missionaries that we are helping support? But then today, maybe you couldn't raise your hand on that question that, about going to heaven, and you don't know that. I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you by name, but if you're here, you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. Just right up and right back down. Now, if that's you this morning, in a few moments, you could allow someone to take the Bible and show you how you can know you're going to heaven. I'm gonna pray with us and then we have time to respond to him. If God's spoken, let's be responsive. Dear God, I pray you bless the invitation. Help us, Lord, to answer this question, what we're gonna do about it. Father, that we would be responsible with the message of Jesus. I pray that you'd help us to reach the lost through our speaking, through our witnessing, but then also through our giving. Lord, bless the invitation time. Help those in here that don't know they're going to heaven. Help them to respond today. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if God's spoken to you right now, let's just take time. Let's respond to him. The altar's open. The altar's open today. If God's spoken to you, right now you can respond. Believer, maybe God spoke to you because you'd say, you know, I haven't been doing much about the lost. I haven't been witnessing or talking to others about Christ. I haven't been doing that. Maybe today you need to come and say, Lord, help me to do something about it. Maybe today you'd say, God, just what would you give through me for missions? Why don't you just take a moment right there and pray, God, what would you give through me to help reach the lost around the world? What would you give through me to help reach Wenatchee, Washington with, through Ridgepoint Baptist Church with the gospel of Jesus? Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.